we still had church because we don't have a thousand people yet. Last week, there was a restriction on in-person gatherings over 50. We do have a bigger church than that, so we moved to online services. This, and then earlier this week, the authorities said no in-person gatherings, period. We're kind of on isolation, lockdown, I don't know, but we're, we're learning new terms and concepts. Uh, social distancing. I never used, I've never used the term social distancing until about three weeks ago. Stay-at-home order. Non-essential versus essential. Like, I, these are new things. We didn't talk about, I mean, you know, we might have already thought who was essential and wasn't essential. I don't know, but, but we haven't really thought about those things. In my opinion, everybody's essential. So we continue to navigate through these uncharted waters, but we do not do it alone. God promised that he'd always be with us, and he tells us not to live in fear. So instead, my family and I, we aim to focus on the best and un, in, the, in this unprecedented situation. And so I'm so excited that last on Wednesday night, we uh, launched online small groups. And so hopefully you were able to tune in on Wednesday. Wednesday we, we spoke about interaction during isolation. And so we, we, we launched online small groups because we can't really go into homes yet. And so I'm so excited about that. I want to take a moment before I even get into this message to tell you about this. Because tonight at 6 p.m., our college and career age, or hyphen, uh, that's, that's single adults ages 18 to 35. They're having their first online small group tonight. So that's, that's tonight at 6 p.m. If you're in that category, you can go online. You can go to refugechurchonline.com. And what you can do is you can, right at the top of the page, it says, click here for online small groups. And so you click that link, and it takes you over to, um, don't sign up for a different group. We, we had different topics and groups that met biweekly. Right now, this week, starting this week, we will be meeting weekly. There are groups pretty much every night of the week. We have a Saturday morning group, a Tuesday morning group. Some of the groups are already filled. Two groups are already filled. Uh, but if you're watching online, if, if this is not limited to Refuge Church members, so to speak. If you're in the community, if you say, oh, I would love to join a godly online discussion where we discuss the topic of hope for today. That's the topic. Then, then feel free to send a, a request to join. And so if you're here and you're saying, well, I'm not that technologically advanced, please tune in for one minute because i got to explain this. Some people contacted me with questions. Now, this is weekly for about an hour. As we wrap up the groups, we're going to have our kids even jump on the Zoom call. This is so easy for you. My number one suggestion is that you go on a laptop or a, or a desktop and you just, your, your group facilitator will text and email you out a URL. That is a website link that you just literally open your email address. You click on that link and it takes you into a virtual discussion. It is that simple. You do not have to know technology to be in on these online small groups. Now, if you say, I don't have a desktop, I don't have a laptop, there are, there are other options. You can have an iPad or a phone, a smartphone, and you can go to Google Play or iTunes, and you can download the, the Zoom app. Now, that will still work. It doesn't work as well as the computer because you can have a big screen and see everybody's face that's in your group. With your phone, you just see the speaker, I believe, is the way it works. But it will still work. But you don't need an app if you're using a laptop or desktop. You just click and it'll take you to the website. If you don't have the computer, 
you download the app. So I just hopefully that's clear. If you still have questions, don't just not sign up for a small group. Send the church an email, info at refugechurchonline.com, and we will get you added to the small group that works in your schedule. I take a moment this morning because it's so crucial to, to interacting and being together during this time of isolation. But today, I want to look at two biblical stories. Two biblical stories where God was the one who actually asked people to do something similar to today. He asked them to stay in their houses. But not because of a virus or a pandemic. He asked them for different reasons. And so this morning, I want to look at this title. I'm going to preach on when God asked people to stay at home. When God asked people to stay at home. Let's pray. Jesus, God, thank you for every member of our online audience who is watching this right along with us. We pray, God, that your word would just reach through the screen and through the podcast, and it would just impact the hearts, minds, and lives of everyone who's tuning in. God, your word, it doesn't need any help. It's powerful, but I need help because I'm a a man and I'm a human being. And so, God, please anoint me so that the words that I'm speaking are actually you speaking through me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. So, two stories. The first story takes place in in the Old Testament where the chosen people of God, the Israelites, they've been in bondage for 430 years to the Egyptians. The Egyptians had been their taskmasters. They forced the Israelites into hard labor. Now, if you could imagine being in bondage for 430 years, that's a long time. I think at some point you'd start to lose hope. You'd start to kind of, do I even have a future anymore? And, And the Egyptians forced the Israelites into hard labor. And most of them seemingly lost the hope of a future. But then... Then God, he sends a deliverer into Egypt, a man named Moses. And Moses came with his brother Aaron back into Egypt and said, Pharaoh, it's time to let my people go. Now you can imagine Moses had grown up in Egypt and had murdered one of the soldiers there when he saw that soldier treating an Israelite unkindly. And so Moses is kind of a a criminal. He kind of ran away. And and so you can't imagine that Pharaoh and the Egyptians were like, hey, yeah, you know, we're all right with shoveling our own snow and and, and putting our own grass seed down and mowing our own lawn and and, and fixing our own chariots. Yeah, you know, I mean, and believe me, I know it doesn't snow in Egypt. But they resisted God's commands. They they didn't want to do their own labor. They didn't want to build their own cities that the Israelites were building and and, and so by then, God, he said, I'm going to start sending plagues. I'm going to start sending plagues. And you can see a, a, a screen on your screen. There were ten plagues. There were the Nile River was turned to blood. Frogs throughout the land. Lice and gnats. Fly, flies. A pestilence started destroying livestock. Boils or sores on bodies. Hail throughout the land on humans, animals, and crops. Locusts, which are a type of insect that came and caused destruction throughout the land. Darkness in the land that was so strong that it could be felt. And then lastly, there was the death of the firstborn throughout the land. You can imagine, you didn't want to go through this, this, but God was getting the people's attention, not only proving his power to Israel, but also proving his power to the Egyptians. 
And God said, you know what? I'm going to take a firstborn throughout the land. And the scripture says that there would be a cry in Egypt unlike there had ever been before, nor would there ever be like it. Now, you could imagine why that would happen. Because just, just put in your mind, imagine that you wake up tomorrow morning and there is not one house in your city that didn't have at least one person dead. There would be a cry in our neighborhoods unlike anything we have ever experienced. And scripture tells us there wasn't one Egyptian household where there was not at least one dead. But for the Israelites, the children of God, God didn't want to take their firstborn. He wanted to provide a way of escape from the plague. Just like Jesus Christ would come and manifest himself in flesh and cover the sinners of the New Testament. He called for his people in the Old Testament. He said, take blood, blood from an innocent animal and put it on your doorposts. He said, and look at the command. It says Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin and then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it in the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your house. And no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. And, but when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. You see, so they kill the animal and they, and they put right here on the door post in the frame, they put blood that, that was over their home and they stayed inside the covering of the blood. And, and God says, put the blood on the door post so that when the death angel comes, there will not be, I will know which home is covered in blood. It was the covering of the blood that would save them. But I want to point out, and I've preached this passage many times, but I, I want you to see verse 22, how it ends. After he gives instruction about the blood and take the hyssop and put it on the door frame and do all this, it says, and don't go out through the door until the morning. It said, stay in the house. There was a stay-at-home order from our God. Do not leave your house. Now, granted, for them, it was not 30 days. It was just overnight. That, that's a little easier, right? But before God would deliver them from a land of sin, a land that had held them bondage for 430 years, before he would deliver them, there first had to be a shedding of blood, an application of that blood to their homes, and then a command to stay inside the house. Now, I want to pause just in case you're watching and you've never actually applied the blood. You see, the blood's already been shed for you. Jesus Christ took on humanity, and Acts 20, 28 tells us he purchased his church with his own blood. That means that God the Spirit, he is, Jesus Christ, is God manifest in flesh. And so he came and he shed blood for your life so that there could be a covering. But notice in this story, the blood wasn't just shed, the blood had to be applied. How do you and I apply that blood today? His blood was shed and because of his blood, no one should perish. That's his will that nobody should perish. So then how do we apply the blood? Well, Galatians 3.27, Paul writes to the Galatian church, and he says, as many of you has been baptized into Christ, 
have put on Christ. When I take on the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm pointing back here because behind these doors, there is clean, warm water. Even today, with nobody really in the building other than our praise teams, there is clean, warm water. And so when we're baptized into that water, we take on the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And that is the way that we apply that blood covering to our lives. We become the bride of Christ, just like when someone stands at a wedding, that we can't go to weddings right now because of social distancing, but when someone stands at a wedding and says, I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife and husband, and they take that wife, that bride takes on the name of the husband. Just that way today, when we are baptized into Christ, we take on his name in the waters of baptism. So if you have never been baptized in the name, no other name, just the name Jesus Christ, then I'll tell you what. I know it's social distancing. We have nurses here. I can have a nurse within 10 minutes here getting me gloves and a mask. And if you want to drive over to this church, you can knock on the door and we'll we have clean, warm water and clothes for you to change in. We will baptize you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If you're feeling something right now, you ought to look up where the church is located. And if you're within a drive, you can come here right now. You go, yeah, but I know, but we're not supposed to be doing anything that's not essential. I want you to know this is the most essential thing that you might do in the next three, four, five, ten, fifteen years of your life. Because the Bible says unless we're born of the water and the spirit, we can't enter the kingdom of God. And so if you're watching and you have never been baptized in water in the name of Jesus, put the blood covering on your doorpost today. This is one of the places where people will come up with the phrase, plead the blood over your home, plead the blood over your home. Because they were, they were really, that's what they were doing. They were pleading blood. They were putting blood on their home and that blood they were hoping was going to cover their home and it did. And I want to stay inside that covering. But in this story, there was a command from God to stay in the house until the morning. Then we fast forward, though, and we see another story. In our second story, at this point, and stick with me. I'm laying groundwork here. Don't go anywhere. Don't tune now. You say, I've heard these stories. But there's a reason I'm bringing this around. Just stick with me. At this point, Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt. And on a journey... Toward a land of promise, God had led them out. Moses had just died, and a new leader named Joshua had taken over. He knew it was time to cross over into the promise. Because after all, God promised this promise. He gave it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And now Moses leads the people out. They're going to go to their land of promise. But they wandered in the wilderness because of disobedience and unbelief. But now it's time. Joshua takes over for Moses. And they come up against a huge walled city named Jericho. And Joshua sends spies. And he says, go check out the city. God's going to give it to us. But as they were trying to make their way, they're, they're, they sneak into this walled city. And they're looking around. And they're checking everything out. And they're looking at the walls and the size of the people. They did this once before in their history, and they didn't have belief. But this time, Joshua said, it's time, and they believed it. A different generation had stepped in. 
And so they're looking around, they're checking things out. How do we get in? How do we, how do we get into the walls of Jericho? What's the plan going to be? But while they're sneaking around and checking things out, they're found out and the, and the guards begin to come. And so the two spies, they sneak into a lady's home named Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. Scripture tells us she didn't have a good reputation. And the soldiers end up coming into her home and saying, where are the two men? She lies and says, well, they were here, but they're gone now. She was hiding those men on her roof. She's hiding those men because, you know what, when, when the soldiers left, she looked at those men and said, we're scared to death of you. We heard everything about what your God is doing all along the way, and we know we're standing in your way, and we know we're next. And so here they are. They're behind their big walls with their big soldiers and, and all the things that they have to offer, all the things that they feared, Israelites feared 40 years ago. They didn't have to fear because when God's in the battle taking care of it for you, we don't have to fear anything. Thing. Hear me today. When God's in control, you don't have to be afraid of anything. The enemies were afraid. And so things get intense now. It's like an action movie where the soldiers are searching around and, and she's hiding the guys up on the roof. And, 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 and so they end going into the home and, and she says, yeah, they're, they're gone. And the God used the harlot to spare the lives of the Israelite spies. And Rahab's house, it was, it was situated on the outside of the city wall. So the wall came up and her house was on the outer edge. And so she said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember me. I want you to remember when, when you come and take this city, listen, help me get my family out of here. And so she lets them down uh, uh, with a rope down the outside of her window so they can get out the city walls and run to the hills for a few days and hide out. And we read about this, Joshua chapter 2, verse 15. It tells us Rahab's house was built into the town wall, and she said, escape to the hill country. Before they left, the men told her, they said, we will be bound by an oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come to the land, when it's time, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members... Your father, mother, brothers, and relatives must, what? Be here, inside the house. If they go out in the street and are killed, it's not our fault. Anyone who lays a hand on people inside the house, the responsibility is ours. So what do we have here? Notice the men were giving her a clear command from God. You need to stay Inside your house. I find this interesting. Secondly, they didn't just have to stay inside their house. We can relate to that part, can we not? If you're watching online, feel free to interact with us. Say, yeah, I can relate. Amen. Why? Because God, the second thing he tells them is not just stay in the house. But God tells them to be ready. In the first story where they kill the animal and an animal and the blood needs to be put on the doorpost, Exodus 12, 11, look what he says. It says, these are your instructions for eating this meal. When they're still in Egypt, be fully dressed right off the bat there. We done lost some people in the church. Somebody's like, oh, my Lord, I'm feeling conviction right now. Some of y'all ain't got out of your jammies in two weeks. Thank God. Nobody sees, though, right? 
They're like, man, I've been in my jammies. The guys are like, I ain't built, I ain't grew a beard in two weeks. And uh, see, this might be what mine looks like in two weeks, though, even if I try. But it says, be fully dressed. Now, don't worry. I'm not preaching you need to get fully dressed this upcoming week. Some of y'all are already looking for another live stream to tune into. But it says, be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency. Why in the world would God say, they're just having family time. They're on lockdown. They're, they're, they're in social distancing. <laughs> they're sitting in their house, and God's trying to tell them, hey, don't get comfortable. Stay in your house, but stay fully dressed. Keep your sandals on your feet and a staff in your hand. Why in the world would God tell them that? Because he knew, he says, on that night, I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods, for I am the Lord. They were told to eat the Passover meal with their sandals on the staff and the uh, sandals on the staff in their hand, fully dressed, because in spite of them being told to stay in their houses, it was never meant to be a time when God called his people to stay in their house. It was meant to be a time of preparation. It was meant to be a time of readiness for the next season. It wasn't supposed to binge watch Netflix or go through six seasons of some foolish TV show. That's not what God called us to do, to sleep in, eat popcorn, and stop praying, fasting, and reading the word. You know, we got this, this bad habit always saying, oh man, I wish I could read the Bible through in a year. I wish I could teach more Bible studies. I'm just so busy. I got so many things going on. People say, oh, the church, they got so many events that I feel like it takes up half our time. What are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? If you've never taught a Bible study, why are you not sending out a link to someone and saying, let's get together once a week and let me walk you through the Word of God. There's hope for where we're living right now. What in the world are we doing when we say, I, I, right now is the time when we should be more in the Word of God than we have ever been in the Word of God before. We should be deeper in prayer right now than we have ever been before. That's how we keep the rod in our hand and the sandals on our feet and fully dressed. I'm not talking about necessarily getting out of pajamas tomorrow. I'm talking about getting up and saying, I, I can't just sleep the day away. I got to get into the prayer closet. I got to begin to talk to Jesus. I, I, I'm spending time reading. You know, you, you get on the iPhone, it says your weekly screen time report. Oh my goodness, it's up 37% from last week. Why? Because we're reading so much of the Facebook articles and what that doctor said and that nurse said and what the CDC said and what the president said. What in the world did God say? We got to get back to the word and say, you know what? It, he, his power was never indicative of what the CDC said. Now we're aligning with the CDC and we're respecting governmental authorities, but if we ever get to the place where we're reading more Facebook reports than we are the word of God, something's got to shift. Now I know two Wednesdays ago I said don't worry it's going to be alright. Last Sunday I preached and said the church is outside the building. Wednesday night it's interaction during isolation and we got a plan moving forward. But today I'm preaching to somebody that you're in a season for a reason. You're in a season for a reason. You are not supposed to just binge watch shows but keep the staff in your hands, sandals on your feet and get in the word. Get in a time of prayer.
This is not a time for a vacation from being the church. Instead, this is a time of preparation. Prepare spiritually. Get in the word. Take prayer to a deeper level than you've ever been before. Right in the middle of isolation, in the Old Testament social distancing, God was telling his people, be ready, don't sit idle. God was telling them, in spite of your current situation, he says, I'm letting you know, your situation is about to change quickly. That's what God was saying there. He's saying, I'm telling you to stay in your house. I'm telling you to sit there. But I'm not telling you just kick back and rest. I'm telling you to get ready for the next season. Because the next season season is going to be, hear me right now, if you're listening online, don't do anything else, but listen for the rest of this message. If you're sitting in your house, you are there for a reason, and it's time to prepare for the next season. You're there for a reason, and it's time to prepare for the next season. They were going to quickly shift from a time of being stuck and being in bondage to a place of freedom and deliverance, and it was literally going to change overnight look at the way these two stories end Exodus 12 31 Pharaoh says to Moses and Aaron during the night after the firstborn is taken he says get out get out it was during the night he said leave my people and the rest of the Israel and take the rest of the Israelites with you go and worship the Lord as you have requested get out of here and it happened during the night how many times do we read in scripture about five wise virgins five foolish virgins people that were ready versus people that were not right now by the grace of God I feel a prophetic word God has by his grace he has given you and your family a a chance to get ready. He's giving you and your family a chance to spiritually deepen the roots, to get into the word, to begin to pray, to begin to reach out, to begin to show love, to begin to teach Bible studies, to minister to people. He's given you this time of grace. And right now, if you just say, yeah, eventually I'm going to get to it. I'm a, there was five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. Right here, he said, eat with your sandals on, the staff in your hand. It was because of his grace that he was giving his people a chance to prepare for the next season and that happened literally overnight when Pharaoh said get your people and get out of here then you go down to Joshua chapter 6 verse 20 it said when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns they shouted as loud as they could why because they're now they're they're marching around Jericho the walls are getting ready to fall God's people are getting ready to walk into their promise and it says suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. The Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it, then completely destroyed everything in it with their swords. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, he said, hey, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had been spies went in. They brought out Rahab. Why? Because she had obeyed the order. She stayed in her house, and everybody was ready they got her father they got her mother her brothers all her relatives who were with her they moved her whole family to a safe place and in the middle of literally her world was crumbling around her her the walls of her city were falling apart I wonder how many people feel like the world is crumbling around you right now her world was just shattered literally and figuratively but because she stayed in the house because she was prepared 
she, even while they all sat in the homes, they did not find them. I wonder if the walls started crumbling if they were just watching Netflix. I wonder if the walls started crumbling if they were still in their jammies just sleeping in. No doubt they were probably looking out that window every single day. And when they heard the marching, you know what? They Because the first six days, remember, God's people didn't speak a word. So I bet you Rahab and her family had to be looking and looking on the look. I say, guys, get everything ready. Get your stuff from your house and stay in this house. We don't know what the plan is. We don't know what's going to happen. But every day they just they just keep marching. And God, even though that I'm surrounding my city might be falling apart, God and his people are surrounding my situation. And so we got to get together and we got to keep a lookout. We got to be ready. We got to be prepared at the, just a moment's notice. Isolated. From everyone else, they were still called to be prepared. Victory was about to come instantly. Both situations, do you understand? Both situations. He said, eat with your rod in your hand, the sandals on your feet, fully dressed. Why? Because when the firstborn died, Pharaoh said, get your people in the middle of the night and get out of here. And then the next story, what happens? They start marching. All of a sudden, that seventh day, seven times they march and they shout. And the walls just start to crumble. And the situation shifts instantly. Instantly. And all of a sudden, Rahab and her family, they have to be ready. It wasn't the time to say, oh, you know what? Hey, hey, go get dad. Go get mom. Oh, oh, no, run and get them. No, there was no time for that. It was be prepared. One moment in Jericho, their walls are caving in. The next moment, their family's walking out toward a promise. One moment, I'm a member of this heritage and, and, and everything that's pagan in this culture. But you know what? Because I was prepared, I stayed in the house and I was ready. All of a sudden, God just shifted my destiny. Oh, go get the prostitute. Go get the prostitute. That's all she was known for. But you know what? Later, she gets listed as a woman of faith. I just feel like God has given me a word for our church and maybe anybody else who might be tuning in right now online. And I'm, I'm bringing this to a close real fast. And so you might be just sitting in your home. You're just sitting there. You're wondering what you're supposed to do. What's God's plan in all this? And being, I can't go outside. I can't interact. It feels like you're in a holding pattern of confusion. But I'm here to say that God has a plan. Now is not the time to sit back and forget that you are a child of the almighty living God of the universe. He has a plan and there is a place of promise beyond the horizon. You see, because what Everything that they did when they ate that Passover lamb in Egypt and had been in bondage for 430 years, you know what kept them going? It was a place of promise that God has something beyond the current situation. I, I just, that was the only hope that they had as they were getting their backs beat, building the cities of Pethem Ramses in Egypt. They just said, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something on the future, the horizon that is better than this. And that's the same thing for Rahab and her family. Hey, I know we're living in fear every single day. They, as, as they heard about the God of Israel going forth, guess what? That All the people of Jericho, Rahab said it. They lived in every single day. They lived in fear. Does that sound familiar? But Rahab said, mom, dad, kids, just stay here. We just got to be ready because when God calls, we got to be ready to go because there's got to be something more than this. So, 
there must first be a place of preparation. As you sit in your home, it is not the time to forget who you are. You are a child of God. You have a, if you've taken on the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism, that blood has been applied to your life. There is a blood covering over your life. And you are now being called in this time of grace to keep your sandals on, to be fully clothed and your staff in your hand. In other words, spiritually, church, hear me, spiritually it is time to prepare yourself for the next phase of the journey. For Moses and the Israelites, it was a journey out of Egyptian bondage. For Rahab, it was walking away from a sinful pagan land, entering a place of promise. But then, oh yeah, just somebody go grab the harlot. Somebody go get her. She helped us out. Joshua probably didn't even fully realize what was transpiring right there. When that lady that was a harlot that was a prostitute when she was readying herself and her family and she walked out of that place guess what she went to a place with Israel and she eventually had a son whose name was Boaz and Rahab became the mother-in-law of a daughter named Ruth and eventually she became a great grandma to a man whose name was David that eventually walked out into a field and stared down a giant and slung a rock and that giant died and he became King David. That was who Rahab was. But she became that. It all started when she was willing to put her trust in the God of Israel that he would have a plan. And so she got her family together just as the Israelites got their families together. Notice it said, get your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters. If you believe that God has something of promise on the horizon and you're not reaching to your mother, to your father, to your brothers and to your sisters. I got to ask why, why, what are you waiting for? What is the plan? What's the purpose? We got to get ready. We got to say, you got to get in the house. You got to get in the covering of the blood. You got to stay in the protection of the blood. And, and as I wrap this message up, here's where it comes to a beautiful, powerful ending. Notice that two of the very most powerful, powerful times in the whole history of Israel, the whole history of the nation, thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history, two of the greatest events in Jewish history were preceded, hear me, were preceded by a time where God called his people to stay in their house and get prepared. Literally, probably the two, if not two of the, the two greatest events in Jewish history in the Old Testament were preceded by the fact that God said, gather your family, stay in your house, but be prepared. Gather your family, stay in your house, but be prepared. Hear me as I close this message. Then I can come. You are in your house. It is time to gather your family. Know that this is a time of grace. God did not have to say, I'm killing the firstborn. His grace said, guys, here's what you need to do. I'm going to kill the firstborn in Egypt. This is what you need to do. God's grace reached out. Faith, they either said, yeah, I believe this or no, I don't. And then they had to obey. 
And they had to do it with preparation, wisdom, and being ready. Rahab, same thing. Get your family together. Be ready. Walls are going to crumble. We're going to get you out of there real quick. The situation right now that we're in, God's calling us. I just feel this right now in the spirit. God is calling us to gather our family, to get them in the covering of the blood, and to know that this situation is going to shift quickly. You're going to go from a place of isolation and staying in your home, and it's going to, all of a sudden, it's going to shift. And you're going to look back, and all this is going to be as a memory. But is it going to be something that say, oh, yeah, I remember that time we went on. Remember that time? Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, we watched six seasons of our favorite show. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is a time where you can say, you know what? In Israel, the two greatest moments of their history preceded by being at home, and then it was mighty moments of deliverance and them pursuing their promise. God is getting ready to shift the season very, very soon. And all of the things that have been promised to this church and to you personally, you're getting ready to see them come to fruition. But right now, you just got this, the staff in your hand, the sandals on your feet, fully clothed, looking out the window, waiting for the season to shift. But as you wait, begin to get in the Word, begin to pray, begin to say, I know who I am. God, help me to walk with authority. Help me. I take dominion over the situation. I refuse to live in fear. But I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to say, God, you gave me this moment. I'm going to embrace this moment. I'm going to get my family. We're going to go deeper in your spiritually. We're, our roots, we're not going to be shaken in this wind. Our roots are too deep and they're getting deeper by the day. Oh, I just wonder right now if you could just in your home begin to kneel next to your couch. In your home begin to stand up and raise your hands right now to him. Begin to claim that promise right now. There are a whole lot of people in Jericho that they, they were destroyed. They fell with the walls of the city because they choose not to believe. Instead, they said, I'm just going to live in fear and not do anything about it. But Rahab, she said, no, 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 no. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something that's going to not only change my life, but it's going to change the whole lineage of my future. It's going to it's gonna let me have a, a son named Boaz, a daughter-in-law named Ruth. I'm going to have a great-grandson that's name is David, who becomes a man after the heart of God Almighty. Why? Because I made a decision that when I stayed in my home, I was going to be ready. I was going to be ready. I wasn't just going to sit around. Oh, come on right now. I believe that God's speaking to somebody right now. He's talking to your heart. He's talking to you about your children. He's talking to you about the fact that, you know what? That he could He could shift some things in the next several years. That as we get ready, something's going to change, and you're going to walk into a place of promise. You're going to walk into a place of promise that God says, I've given you this time for preparation, but the next season's coming. Oh, if you're at home, come on, don't pray with your mouth closed. Begin to raise your voice. Begin to, begin to cry out to God. Begin to respond to this message. God is speaking to you right now. Just raise those hands. Say, God, I want this, Jesus. I want to respond to this, God. I, I know this is a word for our culture. It's a word for our church. God, let me receive it today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I'm not discouraged. I refuse to live in fear. I know that I'm getting ready because my season's oh, about to, to shift in a second. It's about to, something's about to change right now. I believe in God, and I want to walk out when it's time. 
in your authority, your Jesus. will be Every eye behold the world. See this. 